Are you a fan of the finer things in life? Well, of course you are. You're listening to my voice right now. I have some good news for you. If you're a fan of high class, delicious Italian coffee, I have a promo code for you. If you check out Lorenzotti Coffee at lorenzotti.coffee and use the promo code THEMADONES, you can get 10% off their fantastic beans. So join us, lorenzotti.coffee, promo code THEMADONES. You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the Mad Ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your manic Viking dream host, Cam Harless. And with me, as always, is your depressive feral housewife, nightmare hostess, Miss Jessica Green. How are you doing, Hi. Jessica? <laughs> Just wonderful. Thank you for that intro. Did you say nightmare queen? No, I, I said nightmare hostess, but yeah, I, I think oh, that I, the, I just uh, made it. I made hostess into queen. <laughs> you made it. You made it that much better. Yeah, um, I promoted myself. <laughs> uh, but tonight we are joined by a bean roaster, cage-free lifestyle podcaster, homesteader, musician, author, marketing maven, and queen of the gray market, Miss Nicole Sauce. Hello, How I thought it was Nicole? just a caffeinated goat juice dealer. <laughs> I, I, I like that i wish i had written that <laughs> i can't take credit for it i've been accused of it by somebody else <laughs> so uh what's fun about this is uh nick pacone is the one who was like hey you should talk to nicole sauce and i was like yeah i trust you on everything let's do that and so i reached out to you and i i offered you today tonight but i didn't realize that tonight or was it today or yesterday that the the vaccine passport thing came out you know they've been talking about it for months but it really ramped up the last two days yeah and it's it's one of those things that um it's it's a worrying thing and uh, the the libertarian party of kentucky got in some trouble for calling it like the holocaust which you know gained a lot of conversation that's great um, but it was one of those things where like when I heard that, uh, I was like, wouldn't it, it like the nerd in me is like, wouldn't this be better if we talked about it as though it were the Holodomor rather than the Holocaust? Since you know, there were certain people they didn't like and could, wouldn't let them move, wouldn't, you know, make sure that they made sure they didn't, they weren't able to shop for food and they died of starvation. Isn't this kind of more what we're looking at at this point? But uh, that's just me being a nerd. So I don't you know, know how y'all feel about that. Uh, going straight for the Nazis, even when that's an adequate comparison, yeah. doesn't help any argument as near as I can tell on either side, right? And I everybody's agree with a, you. Everybody's a Nazi. Nobody's a Nazi. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where I'm coming from. And I also feel like it's one of the lazier things to run into. So right. my thought is, you know, if if you're able to, if you're wanting to do a comparison, why not do a comparison with an event that no one talks about? 
no one really knows about. Why not talk about how bad communism is at the same time? So, I mean, that's, that's just me. But I just thought it was funny with that going on. Uh, one of the big things that we talk about a lot on this show is, you know, how to make yourself free in an unfree world and you doing um, living free in Tennessee and unloose the goose and all of that. It's like, this is the perfect person to talk to at this time because there are a lot of people who don't want to have to deal with what the government's about to do. And we need to find ways to be free kind of around that paradigm. Um, so welcome to the show. I'm glad yeah. you're here. <laughs> glad to be here. It should be <laughs> I hope so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, like I said, right now, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are into preparedness or self-sufficiency uh, or homesteading or anything like that. And um, they think, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, I've heard someone say to me, you know, it's too late for you to start prepping. And I'm like, is it? And so like a question that I would have for you is one, do you think it's too late to start? And secondly, if you were to start today for those in our audience, for people who listen to us even a little bit, um, where would be, what would be the first step in your mind to kind of become free in this current era that we're this, living in? This is going to sound really flip. Choose to be free. It's, yeah. it's a choice you make in everything you do every day. People who are saying it's too late to start prepping, I don't get where that's coming from. It's not like a vaccine passport is going to be shoved federally down our throats in the next two weeks. Right. Right. If it is, I'll be really surprised. And if it is, the backlash from that is going to make it so the passport is not shoved down our throats federally. Right. So, and, and if that's the thing that got your attention rather than the shutdowns and scarcity of a year ago, right. that's great. Start where you are and assess what you have and what your needs are. You look at your own health, your animal's health, your food, your fuel, your finances, medical supplies and just say what do i have what do i need and then rather than running out and spending ten thousand dollars on mres or something crazy like mountain house hiker meals start building a buffer you know start yeah. with a goal of i'm gonna have a week's worth of everything you know food medical supplies whatever you need and then when you get to a week do two weeks and then three weeks. If, if instead of a big crisis, you take one step at a time, you'll learn as you go. And you're less likely to spend a bunch of money on a bunch of crap you'll never use. Right. Because right. my, my first thought is uh, ammo. But we're, in, we're also in a crisis of that right now. So, well, if you're I mean... trying to shoot it with this, <laughs> then you have a problem. <laughs> if you don't know how to use the gun, right? If you don't know how to use right. or defend yourself. It, it, it doesn't take a lot to start learning basic situational awareness to think through what you would do when things happen and to start getting training. Even if you don't have ammo, you can get an airsoft gun and train with that. Right. There's so many or things. Just dry do. fire. Yeah, true. Dry firing totally works. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've spent two, my, my wife keeps saying, why do you keep playing with that? thing cam put it away <laughs> and she's not talking about my penis so just to be clear um but yeah i mean that's <laughs> but that, that's that's one of those things like I've, I've been kind of putting it around in my mind as to because i have i've done some stuff but i haven't done nearly enough 
And so it's just, I, I've talked, I've talked to some very good people. When I mention those people, I don't, I'm not necessarily meaning the run of the mill or the people that are good that I've talked to. Like, I wouldn't expect you to say that. I wouldn't expect Suzanne Sherman or some of our other friends who've kind of gotten into that world to say any of that. Um, but it's, sometimes it's hard because, you know, you do see doomsday preppers or people who are 10, 15 years down the road of this, this lifestyle. And you're like, okay, so where, where do I get started? Do I buy the, the rain barrels first or do I buy the, the food first? What, where do, do I buy toilet paper? Holy crap. We ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> you know, mullen is this leaf that grows almost anywhere in the United States. that works great for that. It, the funny okay. thing about the toilet paper crisis is I'm like, surely you have a bathtub in your bathroom. <laughs> and I know that's not your first choice if it happens, but, and I don't want to run out of toilet paper either, but we wiped our butts before we invented toilet paper somehow. It's true. I think yeah. Americans discovered the wonders of the bidet for the first yeah. time. And right. that yeah. right? wonderful European technology was brought to our homes. <laughs> that's a really good example of it. In every crisis, there's an opportunity to sell something, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> no toilet paper, can't get to bidets. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, like, like you said, you have to choose to be free. Cause that's something, I mean, it's very Harry Brown. It's very, it's very much what we talk about, you know, is, you know, the, 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 you have to choose every, you have to practice freedom in order to acquire freedom is kind of how I, I've been putting it recently. Um, but it's, it's just, there are a lot of people right now who I think doomsday preppers may have been one of the worst TV shows to ever happen for these people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch shit like that either. So that I've never it. watched it, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy how that's the people's first thought is let me buy military rations like well yeah, military what? rations or hiker <laughs> rations and ammo and guns if you don't know how to use your gun that's not helpful i would say before that though what do you want your life to be like right crazy question right but if you're gonna build a, a repository of things and habits that are going to support you towards your freedom hopefully you've defined what your freedom looks like because yeah. if you haven't, then you're going to have, you know, a pile of food there and some bandages over there and a whole bunch of dog food with rats in it. And it's not going to it's not going to empower you. Right. And I know that sounds like overly simplistic, but it's really that simple. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that was another discipline thing to do it. That's the hard part. <laughs> right. Well, that's I, another, um, the, oh, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I um, about six years ago, Atlanta had a similar ice storm to what they just had in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I was a waitress in the middle of downtown. I didn't have anything in my house. Oh, no. And we were trapped inside for five days. And it got pretty hairy <laughs> because we were like a bunch of roommates sharing this house. None, of, We all ate at the place that we worked. Mm -hmm. So I had my Scarlett O'Hara moment and I was like, this will never happen to me again. <laughs> and <laughs> lucky so it happened since, that way. <laughs> right, right. So we um, we've moved out from the city. We've been it's working for six years. And I feel like the only thing I've learned in that six years, despite the fact that we've now got rain barrels, I've got working gardens all of these things that would have um, seemed like a miracle to me during that time when I was trapped in my house for five days, I still feel like all I've learned is that I can't 
prep enough. And like, it does feel like hopeless sometimes. Like I know if something really happened, like I wouldn't, this wouldn't sustain me and that I don't have the skills, you know, because I come from the city, I'm a city kid. I've never killed a chicken before, you know? So like, it's daunting. It's very scary. And well, I think, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish. I, 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 yeah. So I, I, I think one of the things that um, inhibits people from getting started is this idea of like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll never be able to reach that end goal of self complete self-sufficiency. So they never get started. And, you know, it's like, okay, you're not going to be self-sufficient in everything, but you can be self-sufficient in some things. And then you build a community of pe with people around you who know how to do other things. Like, I don't know how to, you know, maybe hunt and skin something, but I can grow vegetables that somebody who hunts and skins might want. So you can like uh, do trade networks and things like that too. So um, don't like, don't feel like you have to have everything sorted out in the first week. That's a really good point. Um, I don't know anybody who's completely self-sufficient anywhere. And the relationships you build and the trust you build and those, you know, just trading with people, vegetables for chicken yeah. or whatever it is, is a big deal. I trade. I have a good scam going. I like to butcher things, nice. but I don't like hunting. Okay. I'm willing to hunt. It's going to be like every hunter in the world laughs their ass off watching me out there trying to shoot <laughs> something. But you know, willing to do it if I have to, but I don't because the guys who like to hunt don't like to butcher. And so I have this deal going where if they're hunting, they I have a fridge outside, they can drop it in the fridge, quartered, I'll butcher it up and I keep some and they get the meat, the rest of the meat. And that I never, I've never had to, to shoot a deer. Hmm. But I bet they keep I you in venison. Every winter, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, let me ask, um, just for the uninitiated to, you know, your shows, the stuff you've done, uh, what started you on the path of homesteading and self-sufficiency? Was there a moment like Jessica had, or was it just kind of your path throughout life? Like, It was a little was bit of both. I grew up with grandparents who survived the Depression and went through World War II and they canned food and gardened the their whole lives so that was my model nice. i i then became a city girl and mm -hmm. but i always sort of had a tomato plant or two or something going on right I, I i like to say i put asparagus patches all over oregon and never was there long enough to get my asparagus i just put them in <laughs> So I would, but there was also an incident that made me question my personal security. I worked at a think tank in Nashville and we did a, a libertarian think tank. And we, ex, we put a press release out after doing a public records request on Al Gore to see what his energy use was. Hmm. My name was on that press release. I was the only, like, I, I was targeted for like my gender, you know, I'm the weak one. And uh, lots of death threats and and things of that nature. And nobody ever found me. But then I started thinking, you know, I don't think I'd mind being a little further out from all this density yeah. where I can see if somebody's coming. Yeah. And 
I moved to the country with no idea that I was going to end up homesteading. I just moved away for, for peace. I, I thought I kept my place in the city. This was supposed to be a weekend getaway. And I ended up here permanently. The next thing you know, it's like one homesteading skill at a time. It's been 14 years. So you're six years in, Jessica. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, about halfway there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's six things you can learn one thing a year on your homestead. Mm -hmm. So am I frozen, by the way, because you're not. But Jessica is. Jessica is. OK. Uh oh. Sometimes it's my <laughs> rural Internet that does that. So I was like, I don't know. No, it's her rural Internet this time. So I discovered a huge I, I have a love of processing things. I do love growing, but I really love processing. So I'm looking up at my wall where I have rows of canned goods. I love canning stuff and drying stuff and butchering stuff. And I would have never, ever thought that's what I was going to be into as an adult. But it just Zen relaxes me. It makes me feel good about building food stores. And it's something that I can do while listening to podcasts or whatever to just relax. So. And um, so let me ask you something, because one of the things that I've been looking into is more or less uh, self-medicine or at least hooking up with people who can do medical things and creating that part of the community mm -hmm. for if something happens. I have several children. Um, and so they like to hurt each other. They like to push each other off of things. And I hate going to the hospital yeah. because there's this list of questions that they ask you yeah. that are just like one, none of their damn business, but two, you know that those people have like the, they have like CPS on speed dial. Not that I'm doing anything legitimately that would ever get CPS called on me, but with the ideologies that are going on right now, it's like, what kind of, what kind of danger am I putting myself in by going to the hospital? So have you in your homesteading self-sufficiency path kind of, have you learned how to suture? Have you found someone who does that for you? Like, do you have something that covers that or do you just, have to deal with what I have to deal with. I know how to sew. I do not know how to suture. That's actually on my one of my list of skills that is in the short term future. Uh, I think there are a lot of herbal ways of addressing illness and nutritional ways of preventing illness and then basic first aid and wound care and infection care that every immediate geographical community should have at least one or two people who understand those things. Yeah. And pretty much every household should know some of the basics, whatever yeah. that is for your area. Like I want to know how to alleviate pain without having to buy Advil or Tylenol. I want to know how to reduce cold symptoms, all of those things on an herbal side, even if they're quote unquote, not as good as what you get over the counter mm -hmm. first, because I want to be gentle to myself and not just nuke it you know, a, a symptom every single time to, I just think it's healthier. I, I avoid Western medicine unless I need Western medicine. And right. when I had pneumonia and was that close to going to into the ICU, I took antibiotics. I right. did. Yeah. But when I have a little sniffle, I'm just going to go to sleep and I'm going to have some tea and let my body deal with it. So, um, I do think it's important and the suture thing's a sore spot for me. So thanks for bringing that up in front of people. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. 
Well, actually, I I recently was on Amazon and they have these um, practice kits where it's like simulated skin that you can actually like buy the sutures and practice with. And I thought, gosh, you know, my husband slices his hand open all the time. Oh. You know, like maybe this is a skill I need to learn if we're going to move out to the woods. Cause <laughs> well, they have the, they have these bandages too, that stick on either side and you can pull them together. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? The butterfly bandages. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's an, yeah. There's another one that I just saw that has some other name. I was like, well, that looks like I don't have I to just, jab somebody with a needle. <laughs> I'm so afraid that they're going to they're going to make it impossible to like go to doctors or do anything normal if you don't have, you know, the if you don't get the vaccinations that they want you to. They're going to yeah. be like, you know, right now it's it, all the doctor. Georgia doesn't have like a masking policy, but to go to any doctor's office, you have to wear masks and you have to do all the the COVID oh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm, I'm deathly afraid of like, okay, um, I'm going to be cut off from medical services, you know, because they're not going to let you into the offices if you haven't gotten the vaccine. That's a, that seems like a complete possibility to me. So I'm like, oh shit, I might have to like suture my husband's hand if he slices it off. Like, and that's, you know, a little scary for me. <laughs> you might have to anyway, if it's, if you're far away. Right, right. Uh, you know, I had to learn how to do a tourniquet because I'm far away. And yeah. and that's the thing. If 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 within your life plan, you decide I do want to move to the country further out, that means a lot of things about hospitals. Like I know people yeah. have died that if they would have lived in a city five minutes away, that wouldn't have happened. But yeah. 25 minutes away is a different story. Uh, so that's that's a good inclination. Um, I would just approach it with levity and not fear mm-hmm. so when we're okay. fear motivated to learn a new skill it becomes harder to learn it because i have to learn it because there's that pressure right. and really this is a really useful thing if you have animals some i don't know if you have livestock or anything but if you have them I'm or you're around them ass dog if your spoiled ass dog steps on a piece of glass and severs her her uh, tendon right here and is spurting mm. out blood which has happened to me Knowing what to do for that is super helpful until you can get somebody to help you. I I will say, and this is a totally unverified statistic for your show. So don't quote me on this. I I was talking to somebody else about this topic today, and he said 50% of medical professionals are um, declining the Baja blast, if you will. (laughs) The speakeasy queasy, as I like to say. And... If 50% of your medical staff are declining at this time, I'm, I just don't know how fast they make us have it. And I think like in a worst case scenario, you may end up with two systems, the freedom Mm -hmm. medical system and the not freedom medical system. And Ah. if that's the case, where are you going? I mean, I'm already making choices to go to the freedom medical system, right? I go to a cash clinic for most of my stuff. I'm in a health share so I don't have to pay taxes to the government for not having health coverage. And it's kind of catastrophic. If I have something big happen, it's supposed to kick in. And then I negotiate my payments. And that's all like there's this radical new idea. Okay, listen, you have to lean in and listen to this one. You can get medical care. And here's what happens. It's called direct care. You pay money for it. <laughs> Crazy. Imagine Crazy. that. I know. <laughs> 
And do they have an easy to access price list for their services? Yes. That's the whole thing. Imagine that. You know what it will cost. Yeah. When when we started talking about direct care in the health policy world and giving it this name, I was like, wasn't that the way it used to be? Yeah. Shut up, Nicole. It's a new thing. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Fine. Um, So one of the things that I happened upon the other day was if you go on like the CDC's website to see the leading causes of death, for one, guns don't make the list. Two, um, there's no there's no COVID on here. So, you know, it goes heart disease, cancer, accidents. But one of the things that I heard and I I need to look it up so that I can actually have the stat, but that if it weren't if if they were honest that in the second or third slot, I can't remember which, apologies, because I just heard it offhand and this made me yeah. think of it, um, is essentially medical malpractice. It's doctors yeah. who did a bad job and killed their patients. It's, it's and that, that, is, that is much higher on the list than they would ever let you know. And I, I, that's just something that I also find fascinating, that yeah. hospitals in and of themselves can be just... My, my dad died... Um, uh, about a year and a half ago and he was 66 years old and had to have a hip replacement and he died from it yes and it's like my you know my brother blames himself for one reason or another or my sister you know and i'm just like it was the doctor it was the anesthesiologist most likely but here we are mm-hmm. acting like he should have died at 66 and so i i do hold like a little bit of like do I really want to listen to these doctors at all? Because I feel like they kill a lot of people. <laughs> they do. They save a lot of people too. It's, it's, it's a conundrum. If you think about the way our medical system's set up and how we treat doctors, is it any wonder and nurses, is it any wonder that mistakes happen? Right. Making them do 12 or two 12 hour back to back shifts and, and stuff like that. And no, I mean, how are you after sleep deprivation? That's what I always think about. It's like, I don't know how they're making any good decisions. Um, And then, of course, there are just people who are incompetent in in any field. And and they're they're going based on their understanding of the statistics. So when the recommendation made is made, it's a statistical thing. Oh, you need antibiotics because most people need antibiotics in the situation. Well, you know, some people and, you know, you're more likely to get better than if I just let you go out on your own and you eat your crappy diet and whatever. So that happens. So it, it's kind of like, I think some of those pressures are, it, it's set up to, to make them fail more. And then we further that by how we treat it. And, and then always bowing to the will of the doctor, right? Yeah. That's also a problem. Yeah. I know my body. You don't know my body. You just saw 20 other patients before me. and yeah. And you have to kind of be dickish about it i think it when you're, you're really proactive is probably a nicer word <laughs> i was just around a, a lot of potty mouths right before this so sorry about that but dickish is fine dickish. yeah but you have to be proactive because you know i was thinking somebody just went on one of my forums and talked about a tick bite and she's like this is the first time i've ever had a tick bite make my joints ache and they're like well you know somebody said you should probably she said i'm gonna go in tomorrow if i still hurt and somebody said, maybe you should go in now. Maybe your body's telling you something. And that's a time when you might want to see a Western doctor and say, okay, 
Is it Rocky Mountain spot, Mountain Spotted Fever, which can make your liver shut down? Is it, you know, that the infamous and to be dreaded meat allergy tick disease? Like, what is it? Oh, and yeah. do I need to address this? Um, so I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Finding a good doctor, though, stick with that doctor. And that's that's really the hard part because we like with kids we keep running into into like bad doctors or doctors who are dickish to us. Mm-hmm. It's like you know I know what happens to my son when he took this medicine when mm-hmm. he did that, and they're like, no, 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 that's that's not possible. And I'm like, possible? Were you there? <laughs> because I might kick you. That's it's a mm-hmm. there's a strong possibility that I kick you right now. Um, but it, yeah, we're, we're, I don't trust them as much as I used to. And it's, there are definitely some good ones out there. There are definitely mm-hmm. some that are out in, you know, kind of our uh, subsect of humanity, the, the free, the free people that I would love to talk to and have good conversations with. But especially right now when, you know, the, the doctors have essentially been absorbed into the cathedral and they're, they're being seen as priests, like, a, like, you know, the <laughs> news That's media and all say. this have been for a long time. Like it's harder and harder for me to just blindly go, oh yeah, the doctor knows what he's talking about because what's he trying to sell me? Like I was reading something um, the other day about how, uh, how I can't remember the, the number. I, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. Otherwise I'd have it typed up right there. But um, I've already like thrown it, out non-verified statistics. So now we're <laughs> but it's like, I, I can't remember the exact time, but antibiotics will kill your gut biome. It does. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it lasts a good long time too. Yeah. Yes. Months. And yeah. And so it's like, they, th- they th- have thrown those at me and my kids for years. And I'm like, and then my kid has some uh, behavioral changes mm-hmm. and I'm like, is this because of the antibiotic? Because guts do a lot for your, how you work, how your brain works, what you, what you think, what you do, how you act. And so it's like, it's harder and harder to trust them. And I'm not, this isn't just a bash doctors show. And it's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm in, I'm in the middle of, like you said, a conundrum. What exactly do I do when all of the experts are agreeing except for the ones who've been banned? Well, they aren't all agreeing. I think if you right. dig down, you will find. So we see that I, I have been on a media diet for mm-hmm. I was on one before, but at probably starting around June, I just stopped. Yeah, I, I scan headlines maybe once a day. I was just out of town for a week and didn't look the whole time I was out of town. Which means I missed that whole like shipping incident that happened. Yeah, I would have been fun to do memes about. But when you start seeing that and start talking to people in your community, yeah, you get. I think you can get different perspectives, and and you know there are a lot of doctors with a lot who are more likely to lean towards COVID is bad, get get the shot right because the potential negative side effects of the disease in their opinion is worse than the potential side effects of the untested vaccination. I said the V word, sorry. <laughs> You're and, I, I, just, I just decided to go with it. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and then I ask them why, and they'll explain some of these things that can happen. And then I'm, I'm looking at other examples of things that every time somebody has a negative reaction to that thing, we do hear about it. Right. It's like, right. boom, especially probably in our networks, we hear about it. So yeah. 
it makes it a lot harder for me to make a decision about what I'm putting in my body because I can't trust the doctor because they're bought into the system and I'm having trouble understanding what's really going on with the disease because there's no good statistics. So I've just started right. everybody I know in the medical field, I call them, if it was you, would you do it and why? Right. And I get different right. answers and that's been helpful for me. Hmm. It's, well, it's, and that, that's, it's, I'm sorry. It's, it's good to know that you've actually gotten different answers because science is not supposed to be just this. We all agree. Settled, everything. Settled. Right. Settled science. There's no <laughs> such thing. And anybody who tells you the science is settled is not a scientist, not mm -hmm. philosophically. And you should run from that person. Right. And especially when the doctor that is the most quoted, lauded, worshipped is the same guy that said you could get AIDS from a doorknob. Like, what are we doing here? Like, are, are we, we really going to trust this dude? I think it depends where you put the doorknob. <laughs> I just couldn't read that. <laughs> Very true. These who, are true facts that we're sharing. Into. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know he was that way, but yeah. I mean, they don't know. Actually, I remember actually when masks voice. did not stop the spread, and now they do, and now two masks stop it more, and three masks even more. <laughs> I don't know four masks do because they haven't gone to the fourth iteration. That's not confusing at all. <laughs> I was I was really I heartened when Rand Paul asked Dr. Fauci, where did you get the evidence that two masks is yeah. effective? And he just said, I know that masks work. And I was yeah. like, bam, if, if, if this guy hadn't lost credibility with you at that point, you're not listening to him well, because he's telling you and you should when people tell you who they are, you should listen to them. And he's telling us who he is. Yeah, he just knows. OK. Cool. Well, the I just six know the thing is also yeah. not based in any science. Right. Six right. feet is a random number, apparently, that somebody came up with in some other situation and it was adopted for this situation. And that's such a bureaucrat thing to do. Like, just come up with a solution, not yeah, because remember. you know it works, but because you should have a solution. And that's it. Yeah. Although, as an introvert, I really like this six foot thing. Yeah, no. I like that if I do use DoorDash or Uber Eats, I don't have to talk to them. I love that. That's different here. <laughs> Top notch. <laughs> um, one of the things that if Jessica wants to talk about it, um, because we talked about it last night, but um, lemon balm. Yeah. Oh, the my God. I Sorry. think that she should talk about this because it's, 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 it's interesting. plant that does good things. Go ahead. I am reeling about this. Okay, so somebody on Twitter, I think Abby Normal, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her or not, but she um, told me about this book right here. Yeah. The Herbal Apothecary. And I was I got it in the mail yesterday and I was reading through it and I landed on the page about lemon balm and it said, lemon balm is an antiviral. It has been shown to be effective against the HIV virus and herpes. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'm throwing this piece of shit in the trash. And then I went on the <laughs> internet and thought, I'll just look it up for kicks. And wouldn't you know it? There have been nine to 10 studies since 2008 up through 2018 where they have shown lemon balm as well as uh, sage or members of the salvia family to have antiviral effects that work against the HIV virus and herpes. 
and this is coming from PubMed. These, these, these are not just the abstracts of these studies. They are the conclusions of these studies. And there's multiple studies. Now, I am not a uh, scientific expert. I've got three-fourths of a biology degree, which enables me just, to, just enough to be able to read these studies. But are you kidding me? Shouldn't that be like the finding of the century that this 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 plant has this and it's not even I, I think it was point an aqueous solution of point zero 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 four percent was effective. So not even at cytotoxic levels, which means it kills your healthy cells, whereas the medications that they do use for this are extremely toxic. And the people who take them suffer from deleterious health effects from the pharmaceutical drugs they're taking. Now, I'm not telling anybody to stop taking their medication and favor lemon balm instead. But <laughs> isn't it weird that like nine studies have been done on this, finding similar conclusions, and it's not the finding of the century, that lemon balm, which grows wild everywhere. I have to cut it back in my yard. It's like <laughs> ridiculous how much lemon balm is around here. And it prevents you from getting early stages of HIV infection. Are you kidding me? So yeah, I, I was trying to explain this to Cam last night, but I was so excited I could barely <laughs> You explained I was, it really well just now though. Thank you. I'm excited really I'm even now really excited about it. And I don't understand why this is not like explosive news that like took the internet by storm. No one seems to know about this. It's all over my yard. Why? It's not accepted. It's so you can't you cannot patent that and sell that. Right. You can right, write it in the book everywhere. and copyright the book. But if you look at a lot of the things that were my book. <laughs> yeah, you threw your book. Don't throw your book. <laughs> Sorry, it, book. That's why I say learning about the herbal remedies is really cool. I know somebody who um had a problem where her daughter couldn't breathe. And mm they couldn't get to the hospital, but they had some herbs in the backyard and her husband's like, well, just try some of this tea while we can. And it worked. And from that day forward, she went on to learn all about the different herbs, you know, so your, your gateway herb is lemon balm and learn about all these different things that just grow in the right. yard that can make you healthier. And mm -hmm. now she does an herbal tea business. Hmm. she's awesome. figured out how to deal with anxiety with it she's figured out how to deal with not being able to go to sleep with it all of these cool things and lemon balm it's also if you rub it on your skin and there's mosquitoes around they don't like the smell so to know it's not a, a cure-all end-all but it, it it's something that you can put on to make the bugs bother you less it's all sorts of stuff you can do and it tastes great in tea I have a um, prejudice uh, against herbal and natural medicine because I was a science major mm -hmm. and they in a biology major on top of that in a nursing college. So they pound into your head that, you know, this is sort of like uh, junk science. There's no there's no science to back any of this herbal remedy stuff up. And I, there is laboratory science. Right. Oh, massive amounts of laboratory science that is available. If you go to Google scholarly, it's not, you know, not some of these things you of course have to pay for, but not all of them. A lot of this research is just freely available. And despite yeah. what the uh, opinion makers tell you, you can educate yourself enough to read these things. And um, yeah, there it, it's there 
for you to find, but they're not going to tell you about it. So you have to like go and look like, and that's the scary part because you have, if you've been told your entire life, if you do this, you're some kind of charlatan, you're some kind of snake oil salesman, you know, you're, you're, you're a grifter, you're doing something bad. And it's like, no, the, the grifters are the ones who are keeping this out of, out of people's hands. I find it interesting that in other countries, that's not the case, right? Mm -hmm. So when I lived in Germany, you were just as likely to get an herbal salve for something for swelling as you were to get a more pharmaceutical solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why that is, but it is different. Their medical complex is different. The Western medicine paradigm here in the States, especially sees the body as these disparate parts. Whereas if you go to like a Chinese medicine doctor, a naturopath, herbal practitioner, uh, Ayurvedic, Ayur- Ayurvedic practitioner, they all see the body as a system working together, all the parts. So it's not like you treat just one part of the body. And I, I think that that's a really interesting way to approach medicine. There are also uh, people at MIT, at Harvard, at Columbia, who are going back into these ancient leech books Mm-hmm. from the middle ages and and taking some of the remedies out of these ancient you know and they call them leech books because they're from the day when they used to put leeches on you right, and right. they find that these medications that that the top anti-malarial prescribed in the world was pulled from an ancient chinese medicine textbook that was hundreds of years old and it replaced the malaria drug that they were using before that mm-hmm. and so to suggest that these old ways are somehow replaced by better methods <laughs> is um, I think hubris on the part of our um, our scientists and our medical practitioners because we treat them like gods and and that is the part that needs to end our our devotion our spiritual devotion to their craft I totally you agree. think sorry rant. <laughs> and rant do you think that some of this with the way our pharmaceutical companies and all of that work and all of the you know man-made derived stuff that we're supposed to take we're supposed to believe is good do you think i i can't help but feeling because i've never thought about this before in relation to other countries but like our ip laws are so much more brutal here than i think anywhere else i mean i i can't imagine anywhere else is quite as bad as the place where uh, walt disney still owns mickey mouse like how how would that be possible so do you think that that probably plays into it, the IP and patent laws as to why we run the way we do as compared to Germany? I don't know the difference between the IP laws between the two countries, uh, but I, I would say that our IP laws set up a situation to support this with the mm-hmm. patenting and all of that. And then our the way our government has... It, is so susceptible to lobby and special interest. You end up creating these power structures and monopolies over things that should not Mm -hmm. be monopolized. And then once they're protecting the thing, they protect the thing. The profit motive in, in Western medicine is for you to be sick so that you have to take a drug for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Something that just ends it is not a good answer. Right. Right. They want you coming back. That's how they make money. Yep. And 
while I would say the individual doctor, if you talk to them that way, might actually punch you in the nose, <laughs> rightly so, the structure is set up that yeah. way. So it doesn't matter. It's kind of like individual teachers in government schools really do want to teach kids. The structure yeah. is set up in a very unhealthy way for the children. Yeah. And they're well, and, I, and you know, the, and they're trained to to think in those ways without the reasoning behind it. Right. So I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, I've had yeah, doctors that, prescribe me some things and then tell me, "Don't take this." Like I have to <laughs> prescribe this to you. And when I got that shit home and looked it up, one of the symptoms was um, permanent uncontrollable blinking. <laughs> and I was like, hey, thanks for looking out and telling me not to take this. Like, that's a good doctor. But it's a shame that she had to be like, I have to prescribe this to you. Don't, Don't take, take it. it. Right. That, see, that's Reg terrible. Regalin, by the way, y'all, if they're telling you to take Regalin, one of the symptoms of that is permanent, uncontrollable blinking. <laughs> Always, always read the small print when you get the drug home yeah well and, and that's you kind of why one of the common um, complaints i've heard in the 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 kind of anti-vaxxer crowd mm -hmm. is you know where is my ingredient list where is my side effects list yeah. why don't why am i not privy to this and so and, and that's a special case when it comes to how our government runs things, because I don't think that any company is quite as protected as vaccine manufacturers in this country. No, they get You're their not own regulation. To... You can't sue them. Yep. She was going right. there. Yeah. Right. right. Well, and that's the, and, and one of the most interesting um, examples that I've ever heard about lobbying in medicine and in pharmaceuticals was the EpiPen. Because they had they cornered the market and lobbied so hard yeah. that if a so most drugs, like let's say your doctor says uh, I'm going to write you a a prescription for Viagra, you can just write then you know you can write Viagra, but you take it to the pharmacy and you can say hey I need this, and mm -hmm. they'll go do you want generic, and you'll say yes, but EpiPen. They lobbied it so that if they if you wrote down if a doctor writes down EpiPen, yeah, on that pad, they cannot give you anything besides EpiPen TM. They can't go generic. They can't go to a different one. And it's like that is the power of like yeah. fascism in a sense. You know, corp yes. corporatism, if you want to call it that. Well, the whole thing is fascist. That's uh, people oh, don't yeah. realize how fascist we are. And, you know, they complain about the, the communism that's being put through right. right now. It's fascism. It's not communism. Well, but they're not you. really different at their core. So whatever. Right. But that's that's one of those points that I keep making is people have used the word misused the word fascism to mean only a very specific thing for so long. Yeah. That what, what was it? Marjorie Taylor Greene the other day called something corporate communism. And I was like fascism is this word really efficient <laughs> you yeah. just don't know what it means and that, that like we were we talked in another episode to someone where i was like yeah communism is bad but i think that they use communism as a cudgel to pull to get in some of the fascist stuff right without people actually seeing it 
And of course, you know, I got a bunch of comments of Cam just said, I'm, I hate communism, comma, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, just like, a friend of mine made a really good point, Jack Spierko at the Survival Podcast about fascism. He said, well, if you look at pure communism and fascism side by side, fascism can function for a much longer time without killing a bunch yeah. of people. Not that it did in the specific example that everybody's thinking of right now, but in general, yeah. if you look at fascist countries, everybody kind of stays comfortable, even though there's more and more control happening. You know, so he's not wrong. Eventually it does go to the extreme, though. It's just a slower right. march to that extreme where millions of people get killed. Right. When it's like... um so, you know, you hear people talk about crony capitalism. It's all just different. It's just dancing around the word fascism. And I'm, I, I'm with, I'm with you. Let's just call it what it is, please. Let's just call it like the great reset. I heard people call it corp. Someone else called it corporate something. I don't know if it was corporate <laughs> capitalism or corporate communism or whatever words they strung, strung together. And I'm like, that is pure, unadulterated economic fascism, <laughs> period. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, they're not killing the Jews. Side of the line. What? If they get that done. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where does this hubristic attitude come from that none of the horrible things that have ever happened in history can possibly happen here? We, I see this across so many conversations where you compare something to a historical event and it actually does bear a, the comparison. And people go, no, 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 no. They just like push that out of their minds. That could never, never happen never here. Like, we did it wrong right that time. Right, right. And it's happening right in front of you. You're like gesturing at the thing and you're like, it's there. Um, so I, I used to wonder, how did these people let these things happen? And now I don't wonder that anymore. It's fucked up that I don't have to wonder anymore because I see my own countrymen doing it like feet first. Yeah. Uh, and how how strong has the propaganda campaign been the last 12 months in your life? Extreme. extreme very interesting how we have been exposed to a bunch of propaganda and it works even yes. me an independent thinker i wince on my way into the store when i see the mask sign and i don't put my mask on right i'm like they want me to in their store and and i i physically and i make myself go through it because i've thought about it and i don't think i'm going to do that right i've made yeah. my choice but Social engineering works and you have to be mm -hmm. diligent about challenging your assumptions, even our assumptions on the freedom side. We need to challenge those, I think, all the time. Like, but why will that really work? Does that really protect the most poor in our society? And is that complaint valid? And if so, what do we do to fix that? Right. All of those things, because what right. we end up doing is one side says one thing and another side says totally different concern. And this is how we're talking right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to argue about so math, but not talk about, you know, the real public health crisis being that we don't take care of ourselves. So our bodies don't fight things off as well in this country as they used to because we're fat. Right. Did you see that the CDC admitted the other day that 80% um, of the deaths in hospitals to coronavirus were obese and elderly people mm -hmm. with pre-existing conditions? It's like, oh, look, the thing that we all said for yeah, the last we all knew. several, yeah. the last year. But they're they're finally that makes me wonder. And the solution is finally close the gyms and make us stay home, <laughs> right? But it's like that's my question. If if that's how you're talking about it now, if they're kind of giving the anti crowd that much, what are they going for now? Like what what is that? How does that help them? 
is kind of my question, but I, I don't have an answer for it. It's just, it's out there. Well, How they're does that also, help? They're focused on the, the more contagious variants. Well, since yeah. they're not yeah. saying more deadly, then they have to find the other bad thing. So we're going to have the series of variants come through next. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the variant. Well, those variants were always there. Yeah. In, in, in other coronaviruses it, that were coming through our system. They always mutate, right? But and get now weaker. Big surprising thing. And it's more contagious. More contagious is good. Yeah. Usually. If you've looked at how viruses Thank you. Work, a whole bunch <laughs> of people, they tend to reduce in their, their, their head count. Doesn't mean it's 100% going to happen, you know? But I don't know. I'm spouting off of the mouth now. I'm not well, even drinking my I'm trying, yet. I'm trying to think not- of what which sexually transmitted disease it was, but I think it's chlamydia. Don't yeah. quote me on this, but um, chlamydia originally inhabited people who were from a, a tropical region. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these people uh, lived in a very sunny environment and they didn't wear a lot of clothes. So, um, God, I hope I picked the right disease for the story, but there is a sexually transmitted disease. And so um, for them, it was only a mild skin irritation. That was because it transferred back and forth between so many people. The the most virulent that it ever got was a mild skin irritation that basically everybody got. Well, when Europeans came in, they wore these very heavy woolen clothing that actually prevented the spread. And because of that um, failure to have skin to skin contact in the European types of culture, it grew extremely virulent and um, started to be passed down through the genitalia. And so it was actually like preventing the spread of this thing that made it more and more and more virulent and eventually to the point where I think it was one of them, gonorrhea or chlamydia. But yeah, and so now we have super gonorrhea, super chlamydia that actually kills people. And it all started out as a simple uh, skin irritation that used to be passed back and forth between people who had lots of skin contact. And so we we might be shooting ourselves in the foot sometimes with the idea that not spreading a thing is the best way to handle it. Mm-hmm. It's, that's just not even logical to me. Like, because, well, that's because so many people have tied herd immunity purely into vaccines. Right. So mm-hmm. they, they no not, longer say that herd immunity yeah. is natural, mm-hmm. but. They call it natural herd, herd immunity now. God, they're such nerds. <laughs> Let the me ask, did, you say, did you say bourbon? I do like bourbon. What kind are you drinking? I'm not drinking any at the moment. What do I have? I have I have a bottle of 1792 waiting for me across the room yeah. tonight. Right now I'm drinking Bullet. Oh, just Bullet's so you know good. where. Yeah. Yeah, Bullet the the higher rye I like. Mm-hmm. I like that little bit of spice in it. Um, I have a lot of bourbon though. I'm a Yeah, collection here too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's starting to get impressive. but i had to mention that because i think uh one of the things that i found interesting in kind of reading about different cultures and uh, you know about you know traditional cultures that were more tended more trended towards freedom Mm -hmm. is they all seem to make really good whiskey like the scots the irish uh the the people in the hollers in kentucky like it's an interesting thing that you see the kind of more freedom loving like Southerners, Tennessee whiskey. I mean, these are people that 
have more of a love for freedom than other people. And I find, well, and also just all the stories of how um, scotch and Irish whiskey and uh, well, not so much bourbon because that's a very American thing, but um, they kind of got some of their flavor profiles and the choices of how they were distilled and made Mm -hmm. based on not getting taxed for using Mm -hmm. a specific ingredient. I find that I find that fascinating. Sorry, my little rant. No, I mean I'm a, I love whiskeys, you know, of all kinds. I'm going to call them whiskeys. Like I like scotch, I like bourbon, I like I like to try the oaked spirit. Is probably mm. the best way to say it. It it's, was syphilis. It was syphilis. Okay, that I makes looked sense. it up. I can tell she's yeah. because I've never heard that before. It was a fascinating yeah. story. Like I'm, I want to retell that one now. The, the mutation syphilis. of syphilis. Sorry to interrupt you guys, um, yeah. but the mutation of syphilis from a harmless skin infection, which was caught, which when caught in childhood, would inoculate adults from contracting the venereal form of the disease. Occurred, nice. occurred more viciously in Europe precisely because of the attitudes towards sexual contact, less communal lifestyles and more clothing and colder climates. These made it harder for the harmless strains to affect the population, destroying herd immunity. So cutting themselves off from each other made the disease worse. And now and and, and actually syphilis killed quite a lot of people in Victorian yeah. England. Yeah. So, in a not so pretty way. Right. (laughs) So yes, that is a true thing. I didn't make that up. I'm not smart enough or creative enough to come up with a story like that. So I I didn't think I didn't think you made it up, but I was sitting here going, "This doesn't sound like chlamydia." Chlamydia is not that bad. I understand. Like most people, that's the fun thing about chlamydia is um, most most men and women don't know that they have it. It stays in their system and doesn't present with. Sorry for my random chlamydia talk, but here we go. But it doesn't present, especially especially in women. You will not know unless you start your pee starts burning. Like that's mm-hmm. that's about it. Which and so there are some people, things. right? And so there there are some lucky people out there whose partner it burns when they pee, so they find out they both need to take a pill. But <laughs> beyond that. I was just like, that's not chlamydia. Chlamydia makes your pee-pee burn. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I misspoke about my, about which STD I was talking about. (laughs) The story stands and the point was the same. Right, right. I thought that that was always interesting. And I, I learned about that back you know, in the early 2010s, that story. And Mm. every time I've learned about like virulent diseases that have cut their way through populations, locking down is something they tried in medieval England during the plagues. Mm -hmm. And it is said to have caused 10 times the amount of death that was actually necessitated because they would lock the healthy in with the sick. Yeah. And then the healthy would get it. And then the healthy would get it. So locking in which is what they did was considered a terrible travesty and mistake. And I think that if we told them that we were repeating their mistakes, they would be like, what the hell is your problem? Like, <laughs> We did that. Well, it didn't work. We left the history books for you. And it's, th- what's been crazy to me about this whole, um, the propaganda, the, the narrative of coronavirus COVID has been, the way they talk about it, they act like it's the Spanish flu or the plague, like yeah. it's going to kill these millions of people. When in reality, if you look at this thing, this is kind of a bitch ass pandemic. Yeah. Like it's not it's not doing nearly as much as they thought it would. Right. And so like this this whole fear thing, like you you they've had the 
propaganda has been strong because they can't stoke it based off of like, because most people don't actually know anyone who's died of coronavirus. I have actually talked to more people who knew um, suicides from the lockdowns than I've known from people who know anyone. I've, I don't know anyone who died from coronavirus. And most people I have talked to don't know anyone, but I know several people whose family have had suicides. And yeah. so it's it's like it's very clear why they're propagandizing the way that they are. And I Old know people, one who died from it. Well, people suffer in isolation Sorry, as well. Like yeah. cu cutting them off from their yeah. families is the number one thing that will cause them to degrade. And so I think that history will look back on this as like, you know, hey, to use this overly dramatic term, but like this Holocaust we visited on old people and not yeah. just the pandemic, just the way that we cut them off from society wrapped them in plastic and and then they slowly expired it's that's, the old people who still hug me <laughs> god bless i'm like you sure you want to do that okay fine but it is yeah. they're more likely to to still interact it, it, when when we were locked down it was the old people who are like i don't care i'm old <laughs> i might yeah. die right i might have a heart attack tomorrow so i'm out I'm going to be out and about, but you're absolutely right. I have a friend in Atlanta whose dad, I can't remember why he ended up in the hospital in, I think, Pennsylvania. But from mm -hmm. the moment he got in the hospital, it was, you know, you can't visit, you're doing the FaceTime right. thing. And when he went in for his problem, which was just a, a an old person problem, I don't know which illness he had, he did not have coronavirus. At one of his hospital visits, he tested positive for it. And from the moment that happened, every doctor he saw was treating him for, for complications from coronavirus instead of the underlying health, health issue. My friend jailbroke him, took him to Atlanta, thinking that had fixed the problem. They finished killing him in Atlanta by treating the underlying, you know, the, the, the COVID symptoms or the post-COVID mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not dealing with the underlying situation. And... Uh, he wrote a really long thing about, you know, if we hadn't been so scared of this and could just treat people for their problem in the hospital, maybe they wouldn't die as much. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at least they got to be with him. But that's I'm hearing a lot of stories like that that are very alarming, where people who die with COVID die of COVID. And then part of the problem is they're being treated for the COVID and not the thing that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and that kills them. And that leaves you in a complication, like we talked about earlier, being far away from hospitals and doctors if you choose to live out in the country. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you could end up, you know, maybe you have a heart attack or something and you're not close enough to a hospital to make it. But it's like a catch-22. Do I stay in close enough to where I could get to a hospital and then die horribly in a place away from my family, cut off in some sterile environment? Or do I roll that dice and die in my bed? You know, like there, there's a dignity aspect to this too. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you want to live your life? What do you want to go out looking at? You know, like, do you, do you want to be surrounded by strangers with their faces covered? And, you know, that's a choice people have to make right now. That's unfortunate, I think. Because they, you know. I know which one I would make. Yeah, I know. I, you know, and I'm not trying to advise anybody. I'm a young person too, so I'm, I'm not up to the plate yet. Yeah. you know, God willing. But um, yeah, I, I imagine living my life, you know, freely. And, and, and that 
dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery every time. I wonder about the passport concept, though, if what are we, we the free people, going to do when somebody like Target says you don't go shopping in our store without our... Because that's more likely, I think, to try to be pushed through than sort of federal ID. Or when right. the when we can't get on a plane, what do we do? So right. I thought I thought you made an interesting comment earlier that I might tie to this when you were saying that it will create two different economies, and there will be a freedom of f- economy for free people and an economy for and I think that pushes the decentralization aspect organically mm-hmm. because we're going to find ways to do business. We're a, a great big group of people who don't want to get this vaccine. It's not just a handful of us. It's a great big group of people who don't even necessarily agree with our politics or our ideas about freedom, who are just like suspicious of this vaccine and don't want to get it. There are companies that are going to want their business. And this is like my white pill in this situation is like, I really do think there are going to be like a split off of the economies and that the, the people who want to live one way will go this way. And the vaccinated people will go the other way. The vaccinated people, y'all can have the cold states anywhere it snows. <laughs> you guys can have those, all of them. You get all the snow states. And then, you know, the South and Texas and, you know, all the all the warm places, the, uh, the non-Baja Blast people can set up shop. And we'll be happy. We can just amicably divorce. Seems the best way well, to me. I, and I agree. And I think, so, you know, up to what a week ago anyone who talked about anything coming close to a baja blast um <laughs> a passport a vaccine passport was called a crazy person or conspiracy yeah. theorist yeah and yet like i cannot imagine that there isn't someone who's trying to say you know what they can we can use the rfid inside of a phone so that when you walk through the door of target it'll let people know if you're vaccinated or not right but it's like that's not crazy conspiracy all of a sudden and so like the when I first heard it out of the mouths of out of the mouth of Joe Biden, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, what an opportunity. My first thought wasn't, oh, this is going to be terrible. My first thought was this is the chance for the agorists, for mm-hmm. people who engage in counter economics, for people who want to live free to show that we can do this and that our prescriptions actually work. So <laughs> That I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not black pilled enough, but when I when I see these things, I don't see I don't see hopelessness or despair. I see, hey, we can actually show some things. Like when uh, the the riots were going on, right? And there were a lot of shootings and stuff, and people were worried about their neighborhoods and they hated cops. And I was like, this would be the greatest time for people who have training maybe ex-cops or ex-military libertarians or anarchists or whatever decide to say, hey, this is my neighborhood. I will offer you for this much money a month to make sure that you're protected. You can call me. I'm 20 20 seconds away from your house and I'm here to protect you. Mm -hmm. I see these as little opportunities. And so I'm really hoping that between what you do with your different shows and what we do and what several other people do, that maybe we can start talking these people into taking opportunities. Maybe we can talk about having a network of uh, teleconferencing doctors that mm-hmm. we can call when we have an issue who can write us a prescription so we don't have to go to the hospitals or whatever. There are a lot of wonderful technological and just straight up snail mail 
old school ways to take care of things that we should use this time wisely. And I think it already exists. Yeah. You and I don't know it exists, but I know that the Free Market Medical Association exists. And I yeah. bet you after this year, they do telemedicine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that's where when we start talking about this more, those comments that you're getting right now, that's where you find you find right. things you didn't know exist. I, I just I discovered there's somebody working on a, a freedom airline. Really? <laughs> OK, well, so I, if, if we have to get a vaccination to get on a plane, but we don't have to on that airline, guess where my money's going, even if it's 10 or right. 20 times the ticket cost. This, this actually makes dream. me think of something. My dream. <laughs> um, several years ago, you know, when Uber came out, what they did is they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They went in and they just, it's not disturbed, but they just disrupted, uh, messed, disrupted the market. Mm -hmm. They went in, they did their thing, and then they made it almost so that n none of these places could say no to them. Yeah. There was another service at that, around that same time who was doing it for small aircraft and for planes. And they, instead of disrupting the market, they went and asked permission. They went and tried to do everything as on the book. It was, it's not like Uber did anything necessarily off the books. They just started working. They just, just said, asked. hey, let's do this. They didn't ask permission. And so yeah. that, that idea of free market planes has been created, but they were too big a sissies to just disrupt the market. And so right. like right now, if there's anyone else with that idea that happens to hear this, disrupt the fucking market. <laughs> yeah, it's prime. Damn it. Yeah, I think disrupt I disrupt the market. I was I think I was thinking about that company that tried to do it with the air taxi concept. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we need to do it with food, too. Right. The FDA and the USDA right. are all up our butts as, as a food producer. And the only way we work, we find creative solutions around this is to go in and just start doing things. And the, and the solutions like herd shares and membership cooperatives and those sort of things that have worked, even though they've faced challenge from, from the, the FUDs, as Joel Salatin calls them, <laughs> or the does, that's what he says, the does. Um, it's worked because en masse, people are there and they can't fight everybody at once and they give up. Right. And there's an argument for why this one's different, right? Well, I'm in a membership right. organization, so I can drink the raw milk or whatever the thing is. If you look at what's being churned out at the policy level in food, it's some of the most infuriating policies that they're looking to get through next. Things like GPS locating, like you like lemon balm. If you want to sell your lemon balm, you have to GPS locate where it was and have that documentation. And then when it goes to somebody, you know, who's a wholesaler, have all of that tracking until it ends up at the grocery store or till it ends up to a direct consumer purchase. That's what they want now. They want to track plants. Right. They're already pushing that with animals. And that makes it impossible for the people growing on a smaller scale, using healthier soil practices, producing better vitamins and nutritional levels in the food it makes it impossible for them to do anything but feed their own family and even that they they try to attack right mm -hmm. so that's it's it's that working around that i whenever i see somebody do something cool like what uber did to the taxi markets or or what some of these you know activist farmers are doing to the food markets i'm like right on 
Right. (laughs) Well, that's, and that's, that's the thing is I, like I say, I, I tend, I didn't used to see opportunity in everything. I used to see cynicism and do the, the sad thing. But I think that right now, like we have a lot of people who are thinking the same thing, who are thinking, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. I want to be able to buy raw milk that I don't have to tell them that I'm going to be feeding to my dog for some reason. (laughs) Like, you know, we, (laughs) but but that's that's what that's what what a lot of people want and so i think that really there's this is an area disrupting the markets disrupting like i have a 3d printer Mm -hmm. that no one no i mean outside of me saying it no one knows i bought everybody knows (laughs) right but 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 no you you the the feds unless they watch this stream are not going to know that i have it they can't look it up they can't mm-hmm. find it. I used crypto. Mm-hmm. It came straight to my house and it didn't even have my name on it when it came to my house. So there's not even that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is no way to track it. And so that's that's hope. That's optimism. And I think that right now, maybe one of the best things that we can talk about is just find your people. Yeah. Like that's what we need to do. Like there are people who have different things. Find your freaking people. Find the ones who are able and willing to disrupt a market or to do it under the table or to do whatever it takes to get these things happening. I just see, I just see endless possibility. I mean, of course I see the shit too, but I see so much possibility right now. You're right on. Find your people before you need your people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. If you find them now and build trust when you need each other, you have trust. And the more, you invest in your community, whether it's your geographical community or just people who are like-minded throughout the world, Mm -hmm. the more you find more. Um, I did want to mention a resource on that and that have you heard of freedom cells? I've heard of them. I don't know. I don't know too much about it. So John Bush, who's on unloads the goose with me. He is sort of the founder of this concept of, of finding your people and he calls it freedom Mm -hmm. cells. And it's around this idea that, a cell of eight people work well together and you get eight of those together and it, 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 it gets bigger and bigger. And Sounds like I, um, the moon is a harsh mistress. Yeah. The, but they the, have a <laughs> website and you can search for stuff, you know, for people in your geographical location. We have a really active community loosely organized around that in Tennessee, but it's a good way to find people who are thinking these same things who you maybe could trade yeah. a rabbit for some squash or whatever that thing right. is. But you'll also find people who know how to install solar systems and all sorts of other really <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. So let me let me back up just a bit because I, I there was a question that I had for you about the homesteading thing. Um, and not to derail everything, but when you first got started, uh, mm-hmm. Were there any humps or obstacles that you didn't expect that were kind of a surprise to you? <laughs> All of the humps and obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> Was there not one? I don't know. Um, so you go into homesteading and you have this picture in your head. And it's because you visited under other homesteads and you see them looking so tidy and all these cute animals and the garden growing really well. And then you go to grow your garden for the first year and it totally freaking dies. What I've learned since then is what something will fail on me every year. It doesn't matter what it is. And it will be 
unpredictable. I will have had the best tomato year of my life the year before, and I will get like three tomatoes the next year. So I think, excuse me, I told you my cat would do this, right? <laughs> he's, he's pitching a fit about the closed door. So I think the biggest obstacle was myself, but everything is way harder than it looks. Yeah. It's way harder than it looks. And then your inclination when you get on your homestead for the first time is to start like everything at one time. Mm. And, and then you end up with, the well it's kind of like the island of misfit toys right you're like you're the <laughs> island of unfinished projects yeah you'll have 20 started things and and nothing finished and so um i don't want to be negative about it because that's also part of the learning curve but if you can avoid doing that <laughs> and like build your animal infrastructure before before you bring the animals to your homestead for example um <laughs> You end up a lot better off. And there are a lot of people sharing their homestead stories out there who will say that. The other thing is, mm -hmm. it's very easy to put things in the wrong place, especially your first year, yeah. because you don't understand your land yet until you've been on it for a while. Right. So I talked to a friend of mine in Ohio who's just moved from the city to his first homestead, and they're getting goats. And I, of course, having had goats on my roof on repeated occasions... <laughs> said, what kind of fencing are you using? And he told me. I was like, he's like, do you think that'll be enough? I said, no, you need a line of electric wire. He's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm going to wait and see. I'm like, mm -hmm. so when you decide to put the electric wire, call me and I'll tell you how to do that. Because he's going to have to do what I did. Go through the goats getting out a million times before he embraces that goats jump fences, right? But what you're not doing is also a garden. So I said, that's good. You're just doing goats this year. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right. I was really proud of him for that because I would have tried to do nine other things. Bees. <laughs> What's been the most rewarding aspect? Like the thing you've enjoyed learning the best or the best outcome? Because, you know, that's that's something people would like to know i'm sure yeah. <laughs> like what what was the most exciting thing that grew or grew yeah grew is a pretty good word but an i mean system is pretty darn exciting to me because it just grows uh, food yeah. yeah that's nice yeah so it's sciencey it's sciencey <laughs> and so i learned so okay so very organic but i've also done hydroponics which is a really great way to learn how to grow plants and some people get really mad about it but I like it. And as a result of that, I also have aquaponics and the difference, they're both hydroculture. One fertilizes with fish poo and the other with um, minerals that you buy at the store. That has been super gratifying because I can basically put anything out there and it just does well. Right. Yeah. And, and having spent so many years toiling in the earth, which I still do in addition to the aquaponics, um, it's been a big surprise, but I say the best thing if you have to choose one is more the community. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I first started homesteading, I was by myself out here and didn't know anybody. And over the years I've gotten to know uh, like other people around me, other people digitally. And those people are the best people. They're just willing to share information, willing to support you, willing to send you seeds, you know, willing to come out and actually people come out and work on my property with me. And I go to their property and I work with them. And it's, I've developed some of the most deep and trusting relationships with other people who have that shared interest out of, you know, any relationships I've had in my life, really.
Wow. You know, that's I, that, awesome. and that's, that's not what, it, where my brain would have gone. And so yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Next time I walk on duck poop barefoot, I'm going to have to remember I said that and it squishes. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so we, we do like, like I'm, I'm pretty adamantly anti-black pill. That's just, so, I mean, Jessica and I, that's kind of our thing is, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, I don't believe that you should ever let or ever can, you know, seed ground to the enemy. I don't think that you should assume their, their victory before they've made it. Um, but in order to do that, you know, we, malice and others talk about the white pill and, you know, we, we talk about um, microdosing the white pill because sometimes it's so small that it's, you, you'll miss it if you're not looking for it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just to ask you, what, is something that would be in that vein for you? Because people, I every time I ask, people think I'm talking about politics or how politics are going to go, but it's that's not necessarily even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about even in your personal life or things that excite you, things that you see in people, community, etc. But what is a white pill that you think people could take and go, hey, maybe we we can win this thing or at least not lose. I, th I think the biggest and most stark one for me right now is don't is being in person with each other. Mm. I'm doing more events on my, on my land now than I was pre COVID oh. in person. We breathe on each other. <laughs> we eat nice. food together and we hug each other and there's no mask mandate here. And yeah. that, little simple act which is not normal for a lot of people anymore but so is so normal is yeah. is something i'm not willing to give up and and i don't think any of us should we need to get together yeah right. i mean if you're snotty and gross don't come over but <laughs> <laughs> if you're sick don't come like that i call that my don't be a dick rule don't be a dick yeah. and show up sick and get everybody sick but that was that was there with the, before this whole thing happened. You know, if you have the flu, stay home. Right. And we can't let them take that. No. And they're trying hard. They want us to meet like this all the time. They're right. even making like remote control sexual devices so you don't have to actually have sex with your partner. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing. I, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> that's my other wife still. Have sex with your partner. Yeah. Have <laughs> sex. actual sex. <laughs> Touch the boobies. Right, exactly. <laughs> what was that movie with Sandra Bullock where she tells him it's in the future and she's like, no, Do you want to have sex? Yeah. In Devil of Shimesh. She's like, You wanna have sex? And he's like, Yeah. And then she puts this headset on him. <laughs> and he like takes it off. He's like, What the hell is this? And she goes, You don't want to exchange fluids, do you? <laughs> yes. That's the best. How we do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, that's literally what's kind of being pushed in in a lot of ways is if we have an extreme fear that everybody's germy, we then will no longer be with each other. Right. Less babies, less people will come of this. How many unplanned pregnancies didn't happen because of COVID restrictions? <laughs> no come idea. on, you guys. I, I do want to sell mention... our kids pot in high school. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention something that's a little bit of a downer, but the sudden and extreme uptick in shootings has been 
beyond belief because you know over the last year of covid you you, you there are no school shootings that you hear of there's not none of this none right. of that and you know they they made uh, a video from one of the kids from the old shootings to kind of so they could talk about banning guns in the mm-hmm. um, election but all of a sudden in the last two or three weeks it's just popping off and so like my brain uh, like i'm not i'm not a conspiracy theorist but it's like this is so sudden and there's so much of it that i don't fully trust this mm-hmm. do you well, think that that's a crazy thought <laughs> No, I think see, that's my that's my example of you should be questioning that. And it yeah. should not be crazy to question that. The timing right. is coincidental with discussions of gun control, right? Right. Right. And that's really bad for gun control if if you know if people are willing to question that. That doesn't mean that it is, but you should question it. Yeah. Is it possible? It's possible that that is orchestrated. Well, my, my joke is always that I, I'm surprised they don't find more FBI burner phones in these guys' back pockets <laughs> because they always talk to them. It always comes out a few days later that they the FBI has talked to them and had suspicions on them for a while. Yeah. So I'm just like, hmm. But the other part of that, so this is also not outside the realm, and, and that's part of the fun of thinking it through, is you've just locked people up for a year. Yeah, true. What did that do to their heads? Mental aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that question. too. Like you you've accelerated people's mental dysfunctions because yeah. you isolated them and that's you know the same thing with the way that old people deteriorate. Mm-hmm. If you've got a psychosis <laughs> and you're trapped with better. yourself all yeah, trapped with yourself all day and you don't have like anything from the outside world influencing you, it takes its toll. Yeah, a people who were doing perfectly well have lost everything because of this. Yep. And and it's very callous. And I hear people say it, well, you know, they're non-essential, so whatever, they can get another, they can do something else. Or right. they, they can be on unemployment. It's no big deal. It's like, well gotta break a few eggs. Yeah, you broke a lot of eggs. And none Too of many. them, I mean, a lot of people don't bounce back from that all the way. Right. Some people and do. you can't yeah. just you can't just give people money and think that it's the same as them working or having a job because like something yeah building something or even if it's you know not your dream career or anything like that you're still interacting with other human beings every day like there's all kinds of benefits that come from like forcing you out of your bubble so that you have to go earn Mm -hmm. you know and especially i think for for men that uh, it, it it affects them deeply not to be able to provide. And, yeah. you know, that's not something that like we talk about the psychology of very often, but like it is, I, I think it's essential to like um, the mental stability of men to be able to put in a day's work, you know, yeah. like, and I'm not saying that's not the case for women, but I think it is especially true for men and men are especially affected by uh, just locking them in their homes and okay, here's enough money, whatever. That's not a fulfilling life, you know, to be, yeah, and it's not to, enough money and it's not yeah. enough money. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, uh, the $1,400 check that might eventually show up for me is not enough money to live on. No. Right. I in theory that thing's coming, but you know, what was it? What's the total amount of payout they've given to people. That's not unemployment, maybe 2000 bucks. Or something in that range, twenty two hundred bucks. Yeah, I think maybe unless you have kids. Um, right. 
wasn't it was it like 24 months or twelve yeah. months two thousand dollars is not so adequate for and people. they no. say insulting things like this will pay your expenses until august and i'm like what do you think my expenses are yeah, what are you like, i want your expenses if that's true <laughs> right right do you want me to live in a box like what are you asking and for here Congress members start at $175,000 a year and yeah. complain that they're not getting paid enough, but somehow $1,400 is supposed to take care of your expenses until August. Like you guys ever see Arrested Development where he's talking to the talking to the mom about shopping. She's like, it's a banana. What can it cost? $10 because she's so <laughs> rich. She's never been in a grocery store and never had to buy a banana. This yeah. is what this is to me is, oh, here's your $1,400. That should take care of you, right? You're, yeah. you're nothing. You don't cost anything. Yeah, it's like, and these, these guys that are making these laws have been in, been getting lobbying dollars and yeah. being paid by the state and writing mm -hmm. stupid books that no one reads that they get advances for, for 30, 40 years. Maybe bananas only cost a penny a piece back then. They don't have any idea. Who are they asking? These are these are these are people that are so disconnected from reality and from who they represent that it's 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 stupid. That's all it is. It's stupid. Well, I think they also don't care. So <laughs> right. we, we didn't talk about that earlier. They don't care. They right. don't care if it kills a bunch of people to enact a bunch of policies that they want that further their control. What they right. want is the power. Mm -hmm. and if you're in the way you gotta okay bye right and they yeah, will a lot of people don't want to believe that but look at they how don't they care are. and they and they what they care about is when those bills came across their tables or their desks rather that they could pay their friends and their friends in other countries so that they could get kickbacks off of it that was that was it otherwise we wouldn't be talking about uh, Joe Biden promising a $2,000 check and then going, oh, well, Trump sent you the first $600 of it. It's like, bitch, you said 2000 You yeah. didn't say me and Trump are working together for this. Right. So it's like they're obviously full of shit and they're, they're sending money to people who sends them a little something back. They don't care. They want the money. They want the power. I mean, I think that kind of sums up their entire... Outlook, I think. I mean, that may be cynical. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they did this in the toward the end of the Roman em Empire too, in order yeah. to curry favor with the populace. They would have these senators just like throwing out gobs of money and buying everybody bread, and it it got to be the point where they every Roman citizen was entitled to some bread every day, and they called it. That's where the idea of the dole comes from, and mm -hmm. people would line up to get this Roman bread. And if you didn't provide it, you would lose your seat. And so it had nothing to do with whether you were a qualified person. It just, what would you give the people? And we're nearing that point where it's like, people don't care what you're going to do. They care what you're going to give them. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But think about how, I'm, I have to mention this because the, the, with the bread, there was a guy who lived in those times and when he had followers that were following him, there were like 5,000 of them and he just gave them all bread. And it's kind yeah. of funny how that's actually counter political kind of against the counterculture. Oh, I find that bread. fascinating. Then you don't need the right. bread. 
Well, they would have what? <laughs> they would have had to leave if he to go get their bread. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 stay here. We can <laughs> we can feed everybody. Yeah. So interesting. Never thought of that angle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then that means we need to grow more food as a liberty movement. Yeah. Yep. We need to share our bread. We need to feed people. Right. Yep. So I have enjoyed talking to you a lot because I think you're a wealth of knowledge and it's, it's nice to talk to people who don't have the same 19 thoughts as those Twitter accounts with um, certain initials after their names that aren't just repeating the same nonsense and bullshit day Mm -hmm. after day. So I really appreciate you coming on. I've had, I've had a good time and we've gotten deeper than some of the, like our what was our last episode? Was it Alex? I want to remember week to week, dude. Seriously, it's hard. It's hard to remember any of this stuff. <laughs> Seven days ago, I know. But we, but we we do we do a lot of conversations that go into just the absurd. I love absurdity, mm-hmm. um, but it's nice to be able to go. Hey, let's let's talk deeply. And you provided that, and it was fulfilling for me. I don't know if it was fulfilling for you. Though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Um, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, okay, well, we'll just do this. See where it yeah. goes. Lemon balls. Um, That's the theme of our program. <laughs> lemon balm. We're the lemon balm. No, show. no, just that you don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> I never know what is gonna happen. Yeah. You never know what's gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> that's that's you know. I did warn him not to freak the guest out. And I'm like, and I, but I asked I asked permission in advance. You did, and out, I so. I'm hard to hear. <laughs> People so, try to trip me up a lot for fun. <laughs> before we wrap up, and I torture Jessica with this very special video oh that I have. Um, I know that we can find you on Twitter at Nicole Sauce. Yes. I know that if you want, we want people want to continue listening to you and reading what you've said. You can go to livingfreeintennessee.com. Um, and you can check out Unloose the Goose, where you have just a, a team of agorists and gray marketers and people who buck the system. Oh and you also have a book, which I'm, as soon as I get paid, I'm going to buy, oh. uh, called Cook with What You Have. That's on Amazon. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with these nerds that listen to us or give them some hope on the way out? Well, I'll give them hope on this. So, yeah, the best way to connect with me is livingfreeintennessee.com, which gets you to all my other undertakings. But I've just, I've been watching, so I watch narratives because I'm into marketing and I'm watching the stories y'all are telling each other, like we, the agorists, are telling each other. And the last four or five days, all of a sudden, the agorists are anxious. And Mm -hmm. I think the passports part of the issue, like watching all of these giant stimulus plans get passed and all of that is scary. And I agree, but we're agorists, man. Right. We, we, we understand that we can work around the system. And the, in in permaculture, um, the more boundaries you have, the more elegant the design. So the more they push down on us, the more likely it is we are going to find a solution that goes large scale. Right. And if you look at cycles, it's a cycle. And mm-hmm. unfortunately you and I are in a cycle where we might make some history as part of it on accident, but <laughs> I've always said, you don't want to be in those like history books, man. 
No, right. did not have fun. But, <laughs> you know, there is a lot of hope and a lot of opportunity the more these boundaries come down. Right. And, yeah. and the key to seeing them is to learn to work through your anxiety and look for those opportunities and find right. them and go for it. Right. So. I, I have yet to come across a compelling reason to not be optimistic. Mm -hmm. And that's what I appreciate about this conversation is because you were like, because usually I've had, like I had a conversation with a doomer friend of mine the other day and I was just like, I just don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) Like, like just stop because you like, I'm telling you that we have a way out and you're saying we don't. And so I really appreciate the fact that not only are you optimistic, naturally but that when i started talking my optimistic stuff you're you're just like yeah no right on let's do that <laughs> i love that <laughs> let's go i appreciate it. it let's fix it let's let's do some things this is an opportunity and if we don't take it we're 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 stupid um but before we hit our wonderful horrible video that i can't wait to see jessica's face the entire time as she watches it um i do want to let everyone know where to find us so we're on twitter i'm at cam harless the 12th century peasant in the top right-hand corner of the screen is at soup canarchist. Um, <laughs> we have a locals. If you want to join us, uh, the mad I make t-shirts occasionally. And if you have a good t-shirt idea, Nicole, let me know. I will okay. put it, I'll put it on a shirt and I'll say this was her. Um, but yeah, so check us out on we are the mad youtube.com slash the mad ones. You can also find us on odyssey if you want to. Um, which is a good a good service, and I hope the SEC doesn't bring them down. Um, and also check out our other shows on mlganetwork.com. And if you want 10% off your coffee, I hear that Nicole here roasts coffee. I do. I didn't and promo so, that because I noticed that your show promo is a coffee promo. Promo it. <laughs> do it. So, I, so I roast awesome handcrafted coffee, hollowroast.com. And I, I'm, it's all roasted to order, and I, I'm very discerning about my beans, so... That's basically the the pitch there. But I <laughs> well, was like, no, nah, they got a know. coffee sponsor. I'm staying out. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm I am more than willing to have two coffee sponsors or coffee companies go at go at it and see who comes yeah. out on top. I'm fine with that. It's the knocks um, of a free market, bitch. You know, you but work with the other roasters, and we just do package deals. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, trying to yeah, start a so, coffee war. <laughs> if if you'd like our would like to get 10% off some um some premium italian coffee go to lorenzotti.coffee and at checkout use the promo code the mad ones beyond that don't forget that this coming tuesday we have iowa ancap coming on followed on wednesday by scott horton so it's going to be a fun week and with that i'm ready to play this video it's bizarre God. and i'm i'm so excited I'm so excited. I'm giddy. It's been exciting. Here we go. Shay, <laughs> are you still doing that hand thing? I heard you're doing the hand thing today. God, what is that? Shay, what is it? Ah, hood. You've been doing this for 24 7. Shay, you've been doing the hand thing all day. <laughs> heard you were. Jordan told me you had been doing an honest sleeping bag earlier. Ahoy. 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 Aho
Hold up, hold Shit, I can't stop doing the thing. What is it? God, I heard you doing the hand thing. Ah, hold. Ah, hold. Ah, hold. Shake. My hands are hurting, Shake. Ah, hold. Okay. All right. We get it. We get it. What the fuck? Where do you find these things? I I think a, a, a co-worker sent it to me, like, probably... 10 years ago and literally every now and then i still go ah boy to my wife uh, just to kind of no. freak her out so Nicole, thank you for sitting through that with me that absurdist nonsense that for some reason i appreciate um and dada thank you, is Jessica. dead long live dada <laughs> thank you for your facial re- your, your reactions jessica yeah. and with that you are welcome to come back we'd love to talk more and uh, this we'll is really be fun, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you've thank had you. me on. Thank you. So uh, thank you very much. And to end us off, as always, you, f- you freaking dweebs, live the life you want to live the way you want to live it. And if anyone tells you any differently, tell them to go to hell. <laughs>